0: So, before we start, I just want to take a moment to pray, because last week at our church, not in Orange County, we, um, we've we been going through this thing called, uh, I should know this, uh, our sermon series called Let, Let Heaven and Nature Sing, and we're going through some Christmas carols and the meaning of them, and uh, not like Jingle Bell Rock or like Mariah Carey, but you know, like, <laughs> and spoke last week on uh O come, it'll come, Emmanuel, where it talks about. No, wait, is that O come, Emmanuel? Well, I can't remember which character. <laughs> it says. In sin and error pining, till he appears, and the soul felt its worth. I just love that line. The soul felt its worth. If you spend any amount of time in church um, or in a Christian home, you know we can go through kind of the ritual, the the good stuff. I mean, the the presents and the trees and all that stuff, and But if we're honest, it's been a while since the soul felt its worth. You know, it's just kind of, we sing songs, we do the Christmas stuff, and we go to all the parties, and haven't felt it in a while. And so if it's okay with you, before we just, I I just don't want to just continue that before we sing some Christmas carols, we listen to another Christmas message, and then we go home. Um, It's not a message that changes a heart. Uh, It's not songs uh, that change a heart. It's the Spirit of God. And so... Uh, it's not because God isn't faithful. A lot of times we just haven't uh, really asked in a while. And so uh, if it's okay with you in your own words, uh, and you, you can speak out loud or whisper or just pray in your head. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds just to pray. God, would you make this fresh again? Would you make it new again? It's gotten, it's gotten a little dusty in my heart. Uh, I, want it, I, want, I want to feel the worth again. Uh, it's just sometimes, can I be honest with you? Sometimes I pray, uh, even as a pastor, I've had to pray, God, if I'm honest, I don't care about the things I should care about. Right? Is that a little confession for you? Like, I know I should care about this or that, especially the Christmas season, and I really try to, and I flex my faith muscles, and I, but if I'm honest, I don't really care. But I, and this is my prayer, but God, I want to want to care. Will you help me to want to want to care again? And sometimes that's just where we're at. You know so wherever uh, you are at if you just take a, a few uh, moments and in your own words pray and then i'll'll uh, I'll pray for us okay So God, I pray what uh, what David prayed, what he recorded in the Psalms of, would you renew the joy of our salvation? It's become a about a lot of things that it's not even meant to be about. But this Christmas season, we don't celebrate just presents and and you know fake snow at Christmas events. <laughs> God, we we celebrate the God who gave up everything, who Philippians says that you emptied yourself you took on sin to give us what we could never earn on our own. That that relationship was so important to you and it can become so rote and ritual to us. God, we don't want to be bored with you. We don't want to be been there, done that with the God of the universe. So God, would our soul feel the worth again? Would you remind us of the meaning of Emmanuel? From the core of who we are, God, would our soul connect with, with the Spirit of God in, in, in a way that we haven't experienced in a long time. God, we want you. Some of us, we just want to want you more than we want any material thing on this earth. God, we don't want to leave this Christmas season without connecting with you. So help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, it's, it's so weird because right now, uh, we're a week away from Christmas Eve. Is that just bizarre to anybody else? Like, I, I can't believe that we're here. I feel like we, you know, I feel like we're talking about, you know, uh, Nathan and I were talking about COVID <laughs> as we are driving in today, and I feel like it was yesterday and a hundred years ago, all at the same time. It feels like four, uh, like a lifetime ago. Uh, so a quick question, uh, honesty check. Uh, does anybody, is anybody done with your Christmas shopping? Is anybody done? You raise your hand if you're done with your Christmas shopping. Yeah, okay. It's a safe place. This is a safe place. It's so safe to admit Amazon is still going to deliver in time if you if you buy from right, right sellers. Uh, I have no idea if we're uh, on track with our Christmas uh, gifts because my my wife does all that, and it's better that way. Like when my kids open their presents, on this is the way it's always been. Uh, when my kids open their presents, I'm just excited to see what they got as they are. You know, <laughs> so uh, it's better for everyone uh, that way. So anyways uh, hey today we 're going to talk about control everyone 's favorite subject control. Uh, so question for you: how many of you have at least one area of your life that you like to have control over? Anybody? Yeah, some of you uh, have a lot of areas of your life that you like to have control over. Some of you want to raise the hand of the person sitting next to you right now, and that kind of shows you another area that you like to control uh, <laughs> but uh, we 're going to dive into the Christmas story and The 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 tension between control and surrender that we all have to deal with. Uh, I am a recovering, albeit very slowly, control freak. All right, I'd like to say that I've mastered what we're going to talk about today, but I haven't. I've gone from uh, terrible to pretty bad, and it's it's progress. And the Lord has done a lot of work to get me through that. Uh, My kids and my wife would agree that yeah, Dad's a control freak, and I'm really trying. It doesn't appear that way but i really i really am and this so this is kind of just as much for me as it is uh for you uh my goal my heart is that you'd you'd find yourself in the story today that you'd find yourself in the middle of what uh what we're going to talk about mary was going through and so we'll start at the beginning luke chapter one says this in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy uh, god sent the angel gabriel to nazareth a village in galilee to a virgin named mary She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, we know the story, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings favored woman. Greetings favored woman. You've won uh, the sweepstakes. Like you, you, wait till you hear what your prize is. It's going to be amazing, right? He says, the Lord is with you. And what does it say? Mary responded, happy and excited. Now, confused and disturbed. This will be a pattern. Angel comes and says, you're favored. The Lord is with you. Mary's confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She's going, oh, okay, what's what's the catch? What's going on? Some of you are confused and disturbed right now. And if you're not, you have been. The last three years, four years, many of us have been, all of us have been confused and disturbed at times. Thinking, God, how could this or that situation happen? God didn't know that things were going to go this or that way. God, how could you let this happened in my life how could you let that person do that to me god i can't figure this out maybe on the if you're a leader in any in any sort of space maybe on the outside you look like you have it all together but on the inside you're going i don't know what i'm doing most of us most of us feel like imposters i feel like the reason why uh you know, I was talking to Nathan Toshi at dinner the other day. I can't wait to be a grandparent. I mean, my kids are 16 and 18, girls, so I don't want to be a grandparent anytime soon. Uh, but I can't wait to be a grandparent. And I think just when I have, like, parenting figured out, I'll be a grandparent, right? And I'm really excited about that. But most of us, most parents I talk to, even the ones you look at, you're going, they have it all together. They feel like imposters. Most of the leaders, most of the pastors. I know, yesterday, a friend of mine sent me this Instagram uh, of, like, this pastor saying you know speaking about something and he's like this is so good and I'm like yeah he is good what he didn't know is I'm a friend I was just hanging out like a week earlier with the guy that uh, uh, that was in the video that he sent and I'm like if you knew what he was actually thinking if you knew the mind games the imposter syndrome and how that actually that pastor feels like he's a failure and his life has fallen apart and he doesn't know what he's doing and he, he, he there's so many I mean, the text threads of, what do I do with this situation in the church, this way, But on the outside, it looks like it has it all together. So many times we're confused and disturbed because we're, on the outside, things look great, but man, on the inside, we feel like imposters. We feel like we don't know what we're doing. Right? I never thought I'd experience this. And you're in situations in your relationships, at work, or with finances, or whatever the situation. And you're going, I can't control this. I can't control this. You can try to control it, but you can't. The reality is. And... I think the older you get, the more you realize that control is an illusion, isn't it? Right? You think you can control when you're little because your world is very small. And then as the world gets bigger, you think you can control your kids. And yeah, when they're infants, right? But the minute they start talking, the minute they start walking, you realize, oh, control is an illusion. So what do I do with that? You can't control the markets. You can't control real estate. You can't control your, your health. You can, there's some handles you can't, parameters. I mean, if you eat flaming Hot Cheetos every day for food, you, yeah, it's probably gonna be negative for your health. But we all know people have did all the right things, right? And we all know people that did all the wrong things, but somehow they keep on living. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, you know? So here's what, here's what the angel says. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And they all lived happily ever after, right? Mary's a smart gal. She's like, hey, I haven't gone to AP Bio because they haven't invented it yet, but I kind of know how the basics, right? How can this happen? I'm a virgin, I know kind of a little bit about the birds and the bees, right? How can this happen? And so the angel replied with a non-answer. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. That's not an answer. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> if, you can't say, oh, how will I become pregnant? The shadow of the Most High will, will overshadow you. Okay, I got it. That makes, that makes complete sense. That doesn't make any sense. Right, Mary didn't reply, and I'm sure she's thinking this. But Mary didn't reply. He, well, this isn't convenient for me. Let me check my calendar. Let's reschedule this in a few years. Right? She didn't say, "Hey, this isn't part of my five-year plan." Have you seen my vision board? This doesn't align. She doesn't think like she doesn't reply back with, well, I, "I would prefer not to be pregnant in my wedding dress." Right? But what does Mary reply? Confused and disturbed. But what does she reply? Next verse, verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. The ESV, English Standard Version, says, let it be. Let it be according to your word. So you have this weird tension that Mary is wrestling with, confused and disturbed. I don't want to be pregnant. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be pregnant in my wedding dress. I don't want to explain to Joseph You know, that God got me pregnant. How's that going to go, right? My family, my aunts and uncles, my cousins that are, oh, I have to tell the story over and over again. I promise I didn't cheat. I promise I didn't cheat. I promise I didn't cheat. The shadow of the Most High overshadowed me. Like, this is how this all happened. Confused, disturbed. Yet, let it be. Let it be. And some of you may be thinking, this is the perfect message for my spouse. They need to hear this. Perfect message for my boss, for my sister, for my neighbor, for, for my daughter in college. Right? This, this, she's, they're always trying to help, right? They're always trying to control. This is a perfect message for them. This is for you. You may be thinking, I'm not controlling talk. I'm just, I'm just aggressively helpful, <laughs> right? That's kind of me. My mom is aggressively helpful, right? Uh, some of you guys want to control everything. If you're honest, you want to control everything. You want to control what your kids wear, who they hang out with, where they go to school, where they go. Some of you guys want to control everyone around you, your coworkers, your neighbors. You notice how people chew, you know? Maybe in your younger years, you would say something, but now you just judge them in your heart, right? You still want to control. You want to control people believe. You yell at people on the news saying, why do we say this instead of that? You, and this is, okay, this is a little bit me when, some of you guys judge people's cars, when, when you go into their cars, you're like, hmm. You're like judging their character by the condition of their cars, right? Uh, some of you guys, you, you judge people by their, uh, the carpet lines. Uh, in, like, right? if, if, it, if they're crooked, like Jesus, everyone knows that Jesus vacuumed in clean rows, right? Some of you really want to control people think about you. This is kind of your control thing. You want to control people think about you. And your weapon is social media, right? You curate this. This image of how you how you want people to see you, and you only let them see certain sides of you, so they believe certain things about you. I, I can't tell you how many. There's this Instagram account called Influencers in the Wild. It's hilarious, uh, but it's people taking photos and videos of people taking photos and videos for social media. It is hilarious how these people are like taking the perfect family photo at the sunset yelling at their kids like they're you you would think the couple is about to get a divorce and they're yelling at each other to get that perfect family photo so everyone will think that their family is great like it's craziness it's craziness now here's an important thing for us to consider as we're thinking about control in our lives this is really important and especially for us that are well if you deal with people in any way shape or form which i think is all of us this is really important it says this the more you try to be in control the more you will fear losing control Okay? The more you try to control, the more you will fear losing control. And the more you fear losing control, the more you'll try to be in control. Okay. Keep that up there. The, in any relationship, whether it be a workplace, or your neighbor won't turn down their music, or the, your kid won't change their political views, or the church won't just listen to you and do this or that, whatever, the more you try to be in control, the more you will fear losing control. And the more you fear losing control, the more you will try to control. And if you are mad at me right now, I'll just tell you this. How's it working out for you? Good for your heart? Good for your soul? I've never seen someone say, I follow Jesus today because my parents tried to control me. And it made all the difference in the world. Right? I've never seen someone. I've never seen someone say, I I didn't believe in Jesus, but then someone argued with me on Facebook and tried to control my views, and I thought, man, that's the way I want to be. And I surrendered my heart to Jesus. You'll never see that. This is all of us to some degree. So today I have a a simple idea. It's a simple idea. It's not an easy idea, but it's a simple idea, and it takes incredible faith. And it says, it's, it's this, that you won't always have the power to control But you will always have the power to surrender. You won't always have the power to control. And I'll even say you will rarely have the power to control. But you will always have the power to surrender. This is what we believe in in our faith. That we don't we don't ask Jesus to follow us. We follow him. From the very beginning, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, lose control, lose control, lose control. Surrender, surrender, surrender. For some reason, in Western faith, in America, we've equated Christianity with the American dream. And we've said, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, everything going up and to the right, success and ego-driven leadership. This works in the world to some degree. And this is infiltrated into the church. And this is not who we're called to be. This is not the character of the one we follow. So, you won't always have the power to control, but you will always have the power to surrender. You won't always have the power to control uh, your kids. You can't control the stock market. You can't control your spouse. You can't control the doctor's report. Right? But you will always have the power to surrender. And I think when we look at Mary, we go, Man, but... It's Mary. Like, it's of course she responded correctly. She's Mary. Like, from the Bible, Mary, right? Of course she got this one right. But listen, Mary was like a teenager. Before you look at, like, you know, legal, legal laws and, and ages for people, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a conversation for another day. But Mary was probably 13 or 14 years old. That is wild. My girls are 16 and 18, And I I don't see them as mature, (laughs) I'll I'll tell you that. Confident, they're very confident, and many times they're confidently wrong. (laughs) You know, I've I've had it, because they're they're both very stubborn. Of course, they don't get that that from me, they get that from their mother. But I've had to tell my girls dozens and dozens of times, babe, I know you think you're right, but you're not. (laughs) I I know I am, I, I don't doubt that you believe you're right. I am sure you're confident that you're right. You're just not. You're right? And there's nothing more dangerous than a confident idiot. And so I just need you to have a little humility right now, right? <laughs> These are great conversations. I feel like I need to help them learn that or life will and maybe look how many both. But Mary's a teenager, She's 13, 14 years old. She's full of dreams. 13, 14, you're talking like eighth grade, seventh grade, right? Like this is like you're got you some social issues we need to deal with, but seventh eighth grade and she's having to process this her whole life is ahead of her she has all these dreams all these dreams about what her, her wedding is going to be her family is going to be like her kids and then here comes the angel and says no it's not gonna be anything like that it's not gonna be anything like that maybe you were done at two kids and then you got a bonus kid you're like, well, God, we did not prepare for that. Or maybe it was the opposite. You've been trying and trying and trying to have kids, and it seems like everyone around you has kids, but you can't conceive, and you don't know what's going on. Maybe you thought the job you are a part of was going to be perfect. This one's going to be different. This season's going to be different. But then it's not. It's not what you expected. It's not what you thought it was going to be. Maybe this year at Christmas dinner, there's, there's an empty chair, and it wasn't empty before. And you got to process that could be a relationship issue. could be a financial issue. And you can't control it. It's so far outside of your control. So what do you do in that moment when you're confused and you're disturbed and you're saying, God, I don't want it to be this way. It's this not the way I planned it to be. What do you do? What do you do? You may be success at your, your workplace or in these other areas of your life and you can control and you can do the micromanaging and you can make things happen. But in certain areas of your life, you know you can't. What do you do? In those areas, confused and disturbed. Well, Mary would say, surrender, surrender. COVID turned our lives upside down, didn't it? None of us saw that coming. Our church, we launched about a year before COVID, and everything was going great. We were starting to hit 300 people, so many baptisms and new believers. It's like, this is the best. This is the best. Mayors coming out, speaking at our events, giving awards, saying, you know, what of a difference you're making in the community, and then COVID hit. And the thing was, we weren't around long enough for people to, you know, build habits, really. A lot of the people that became believers at the church, or were believers at the church, became believers at the church, right? And so there wasn't this pattern of behavior in their life built up yet, so once COVID hit and they couldn't go to church anymore, they just stopped going to church. They reverted back to old behavior. And so when we opened back up, we're one of the last churches to open back up in Orange County. And when we opened back up, there were many Sundays where we had three people, five people. Christmas of 2020, we thought we were turning a corner. We're like, okay, you know, we're getting into like double digits of people coming to church now, you know? And uh, I remember speaking, it was about, about now, 2020, the week before Christmas Eve, and I'm speaking in front of our church, and there's maybe eight, nine people there, Uh, and I wanted to quit really bad, really bad. In my head, I almost, I mean, I got to the edge of saying this multiple times. Just said, hey guys, why don't we just uh, get some pizzas? and let's just circle up, <laughs> like a small group, and let's just call it. You know, we had a good run, let's just call it. That afternoon, uh, one of our elders texted me, goes, you okay? It's like, nope. No, we had to put on the happy face, like, hey, God bless you guys, see you at Christmas Eve service on Friday, and like, was like, oh, we can't make it Friday, we can't make it Friday. It's like, okay, cool. So even less people are gonna be at Christmas Eve, fantastic, awesome. So, um, Went home just feeling like the biggest failure. Like, this was the worst. This, why did we plant a church? This was so dumb. And Eric, the elder, texted me. He's like, you know, you're doing okay? I was like, nope. And he goes, let's, let's hang out. He lives 45 minutes away. And he's like, I'll come back in town. So he came back in and we hung out that night and he just poured life into my wife and I. Nothing changed. But everything changed. Because we, we came to the conclusion. We came to this conclusion. Look, all I've ever known is success. All I've ever known is the church we left before that, we grew it from a few hundred people to like 9,000, 8,500 people. And all we've ever known was success. And then here is this thing that I'm like, I've I've led middle school leadership team meetings (laughs) bigger than my church service this morning at Christmas. Maybe I don't have what it takes. I really, really wanted to quit ministry. Not just quit the church, quit ministry. And it wasn't a pity party. It was just like, well, obviously, I don't have what it takes. Obviously, I can't do this. And all my dreams were dashed. Everything that I had planned was, was gone. And I had to come to the conclusion of, look, I can't control how, how big this church is going to be. But I can control my heart. Right? And there were times where David in the, in the, in the book of Psalms would, would go through these situations where his heart was everywhere. And then he would say, worship the Lord, O my soul. Worship the Lord all oh my soul. What he's doing is he's telling his soul what to do. Like, I know you're tired. I know you worship the Lord, right? Worship the Lord all oh my soul. That may be you. You may have all situations where like, man, this didn't pan out the way I wanted. It's not controlling. But you can surrender to God. You can surrender to God. So Mary didn't know the ending. All she saw was confusion. She had to choose. Mary had to choose between her dream and her destiny. She had to choose between her plans and God's purpose. She had to choose between her control and God's calling. She had to make a decision because she couldn't have both. And here's what I love. Even though she didn't know the plan, God didn't say, okay, here's the deal. Here's the compensation package. You get a free cell phone. We'll cover your housing. 401k pension. She didn't know anything. She just trusted her father's heart. She trusted that even though it doesn't make sense to me, it makes sense to him. I trust that God's up to something. I trust that God is good and God is able. So that's a question for you. Do you trust that God is good? Do you trust that God is able? Do you trust that maybe, maybe God sees things that you don't see? Maybe he's got it under control and you can trust him. You can surrender to him. Another thought is this. There's no such thing as partial surrender there's no such thing as partial surrender. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who are like, well, talk, I surrendered to God 15 years ago. I've been serving God for 40 years. Great. But notice scripture doesn't say, you know, choose last year whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will you surrender to God today? Doesn't matter the great things that God did through you 20 years ago. God did through you two years ago. You're breathing air, right? God wants to do something through you today. God wants to use you today. So who cares what? I mean, you were faithful before. Great. What does it look like to be faithful today? With your age and stage of life today? Either you trust God with everything your health, your timeline, your finances, your relationships, or you don't. Here's another truth the more I overestimate my ability to control, The more I overestimate my ability to control, the more I underestimate the power and goodness of God. The more I overestimate my ability to control, my limited, limited, limited ability to control, the more I underestimate the power and the goodness of God. You know the reality is? A hundred years from now, none of us will be here. Right? Two hundred years from now, probably no one on this earth will even know we ever existed. Okay, so there's a little bit of humility. James, James, you know, half-brother of Jesus, said that our lives are like a mist, here today, gone tomorrow. There's a very limited time that we're on this earth, so what are you going to do with that? Right? Everything in culture says, you got to make it happen, you got to make it happen. That's not true. Jesus gives the opposite. In Mark 10:39. he says that if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. If you white-knuckle this thing, if you try to hold on and control everything in your life, you will lose it. And we've seen this happen over and over again, haven't we? The person that tries to hold on to the company, hold on to the position, hold on to their kids, or try to, just white-knuckle controlling everything, you end up losing the very thing that you're trying to hold on to. He says, if you give your life for me, you'll find it. If you realize that the power is in this, not this that our greatest posture is surrender, then you'll realize what life is really made of. In order to fully f- follow Jesus, you have to surrender control. Surrender control is not a one-time decision. It's a daily choice. Mary had to choose to surrender over and over and over again, right? So in that moment with the with, with angel Gabriel, let it be, let it be. And then she had to talk to Joseph. Have that whole conversation. I'm sure that didn't go well right? Control. Surrender. Let it be, God. Let it be. I know he's angry. I know he needs some me time right now. He needs to process this if he wants to go through with this. I mean, kudos to Joseph, honestly, for going through with this. Because if my fiance said that she's pregnant and she didn't cheat, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) You know, I need to process that a little bit. So kudos to Joseph. And then she had a, they together, unified front, had to go talk to family members and explain that. Imagine the the wedding ceremony. She's, you know, this, we don't know how long it was before the wedding, but it wasn't short, right? All the family members, any family coming and going, she looks pregnant. (laughs) Something is off, right? You don't always have the power to control. You always have the power to surrender. And then they're on the run. She gives birth in a stable. Not every woman's dream not the cleanest environment. And then they're on the run. Herod's trying to kill their kid. So they're, you know, they're fugitives. And then she hears stories about thousands of children that were killed because they were trying to kill her kid. And it's her kid's fault that all these men and women are grieving the loss of their kid. That's a lot. Over and over again, surrender, surrender, surrender. Fast forward 30 years. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Stress, overflowing, capillaries bursting, sweat blood. And Jesus prays the same thing his mom prayed 33 years earlier. He's confused, disturbed, obviously. Right? says, God, if there's any other way this can happen, if there's any other way for this to go down, I choose that. Yet, what? Let your will be done. That even Jesus, in the middle of the hardest evening of his life, to that point, says, I surrender. I can't control this. You're in control, God. If it was my call, I'd choose door number one. But if this is what you want, if this is what needs to happen, let it be. Let it be. Soon after, he's beaten. with an inch of his life, he's hanging on the cross. And Mary's there, the Bible tells us except she's not 13 anymore. She's a mom watching her son, her little baby boy. I don't know about, I mean, I'm only, four, I'm only 45. I feel like 105 many days. Uh, but my younger daughter, she'll always be my baby. They'll, they'll both be my baby. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, they can be 50 years old, they'll still be my baby. But Jesus is still Mary's baby. And here he is. Not even looking like a man. Josephus, historian, says that he didn't even look like a man anymore. He was beaten so bad, hanging on the cross. And there's Mother Mary. They're spitting on her son, cursing him. And he's suffering. He's barely holding it together. And then she hears him say, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And she, one more time, had to say, I surrender. One more time. I can't control this, obviously. I can't overthrow the Roman government right now as this middle-aged Jewish woman. But I can surrender. I can choose to surrender. And so here's the question as we end. Here's the question I want you to think about during this holiday season, and not even just for the holidays, for your life. What is it that you're trying to control? What is it that you're trying to control that God wants you to surrender? What is it? There's got to be something. There's probably several things. And you may try to go, "Okay, Taco, you don't know the situation. Here's why I'm justified in trying to control this." Okay. What are you trying to control? That God wants you to surrender. And by trying to control it, has it helped? Has it? Got better sleep? More peace in your heart? more of a soul full of worship, a soul full of trust in God? Has it done anything helpful? Can I challenge you? Maybe try something different. Try surrender. What are you trying to control that God wants you to surrender? God can do way more through your surrender than you can do with your control. Last question, or last statement rather. What's heavy in your heart is much better off in his hand what's heavy in your heart is much better off in your hand there's this idea we'll end with this there's an idea in scripture that says when you present your requests to God and he will give you a, a peace that passes all understanding let me know this verse you know in the original language what it actually the, the verbiage for present requests to God or make your requests to God or make known your requests to God that verbiage is actually this picture of role roll your request to God. That's actually the burden is so heavy, it's not like, here, I, re- I give you my request, right? <laughs> I filled out the form. It's not that, it's that this, this thing is so big that all I can do is roll it over to God. Even in those situations, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if you've, if you've felt like a lack of, of peace, In your heart, my guess is there's a lack of surrender. You're trying to control things that you were never meant to control. And like a toddler trying to deadlift 500 pounds, it just is not going to work out well. Right? So let me pray for us. Uh, I don't know what we're doing. I might hand it back off to you. Okay. Um, The last thing I wanted today was just to give a cute little Christmas message. Um, I really hope the Holy Spirit speaks through you. And can I challenge you to really wrestle with this stuff? We're not meant to just go to church, sing some songs, some Christian karaoke, hear a TED Talk, and then go home. We're supposed to wrestle with this stuff. One of our prayers at our church, we say this to our church all the time, is that we hope that something happened today that bothers you, that just bothers you, that gives you something to talk about at lunch, that keeps you up tonight, right? To make you wrestle with something that maybe, if this is true, then maybe I need to live differently. And if I were to live differently, what would that look like? Right. God wants something amazing for you and you may be one habit away from a totally different life. So let me pray for us. God, I pray for my friends here at Peninsula Hope. God, you know what uh, you know what's going on in their hearts. You know what's going on in their lives and their relationships. God, you know what's going on behind the smiles and what we're wrestling with. Holy Spirit, you say you're, you're, you're close to the brokenhearted. And if any of my friends are feeling overwhelmed, that's not from you. If they're feeling condemned, that's not from you. Jesus, you say that you came to give life and life to the fullest. And so God, I pray against condemnation. I pray against shame. The whole message of Christmas is that we can never earn relationship with you, that we can't do enough right things to be right with you. The message of Christmas is that God came to fill the gap. And so, God, would you draw near right now to all of us? Would we sense your tangible presence? Would we leave this season with hearts more full of hope, more full of joy, more full of peace? And, God, we commit as a church family, as individuals, that every breath that we take from this moment till our very last, we commit it to you. God, use our lives, use our finances, use our gifts and our talents, use our relationships, use everything to build your kingdom Would more people know you because of our lives and how we chose to spend it. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.